house. No, the right no, house. I did it. Get we want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. Duncan, on a scale of one to ten, what do you think you are? A six. I think you're a three. Since I've been dating your mom, I don't see you putting yourself out there, bud. You can try to get that score up at my beach house this summer. This in all his awkward glory. This is my son, Duncan. I was gonna name my youngest Duncan, but we went with Peter. Finally, fix his lazy eye, now it's even worse. Boop, boop, mom. Just stare at the bridge of his nose, that's what I do. You're the worst parent. There's a message in the sky. Hello, and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast getting regularly spanked for pleasure by Michael Fassbender. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I'm your host, Joe Reed. I'm here, as always, with my boozy, floozy neighbor next door, Chris File. Hello, Chris. Good morning, Joseph. I really do wish you were my boozy, floozy neighbor next door. I feel like we'd have a time. <laughs> Allison Janney in this movie plays a human margarita. She does, but like she's the she's so much fun, I feel like, in this movie. Yeah, that she's could good use in this movie. She's that could great. use more fun. Like yeah. she's to me the highlight, and we can talk about stuff from this movie that we didn't like as much, for sure. I wanted to lead with one question for you though, sir. Oh. Have you ever had the experience of riding in a rear facing seat in a station wagon? Absolutely not. It was stressing me out so much in this whole movie. I was like, they're going to slam on the brakes. He is going to (laughs) jettison out of that back window. I said that to my husband. He was like, actually, if they slammed on the brakes, he would just lean back in the seat. I was like, I don't understand physics. Shut up. I'm afraid. (laughs) It's true. You'd be the safest person in the whole car. Um... I my cousins growing up had a station wagon, like classic station wagon, wood paneling, the whole nine, right? And they had the seat in the back, and we didn't really ride in their car a lot because that was sort of their dad's car, and their dad was sort of never really around. Oh. But the few times we got to ride in the station wagon, it would be like a jostling fight to see who could sit in the back seat because it was just the two seater back there, mm-hmm. and we had to like whatever like take turns slash like whatever bargain to see who could sit in the back seat because it was this like you know it was whatever it was like the one different thing it wasn't necessarily better but it was like different than what everybody else was doing so you wanted to do it and i get the sort of nostalgic pull the, i'd seen this movie before um this week before uh, we had chosen to do the podcast i saw the movie the year it came out And so I already knew I was, like, middling on this movie. I'm like, it's not a great movie. But watching it at the beginning of this to start, it hooked me with the rear seat station wagon thing. And then there's just this one very incidental moment where you see them, the car, sort of pulling, like, riding down the street in this this beach community and then pulling into the driveway of 
the vacation house and I was like oh sense memory and it's just like especially this summer where I haven't really been able to do anything Mm -hmm. and I was just like oh my god I want to go to the beach for a week somewhere I don't even like the beach I just want to like sit in a house by the water and like be able to like hear the ocean and whatever and just it's my family we weren't like an every summer go to the beach family first of all we couldn't afford a house like we weren't like this family who has like a regular place that we go every summer or whatever but we went often enough that we would sort of like you know pull, pull it together to get a vacation home somewhere on like cape cod or somewhere maybe like closer by here on like lake erie or something like that and like a how a week in a house close enough to the ocean or maybe a lake or whatever is so to me incredibly relaxing (laughs) and for that like one little scene as they were just like pulling the car through this like very clearly beach community i was like oh that's the stuff and i wish the rest of the movie piled on top of houses that is not relaxing you would think not and yet it's so easy to just sort of like like this movie talk like there's more of like a sense of like community in this movie where like everybody knows each other and everybody socializes together and everybody that's kind never of been hates my each other though too right like that was never my experience because we were never like regulars we never like came to the same place every sure. summer but like ensconced in your little sort of like cottage or whatever with you and whoever you're traveling with and i don't know like yes like it's close quarters and as we got older like the friction between like the siblings got more pronounced and whatnot but there's just something so relaxing about being in that atmosphere it's so idyllic to me so mm. i had that for a moment and then the rest of the movie happened and i was just like oh right like that's why i didn't like <laughs> okay but here's the thing you kept saying a week at a house a week at a house how long are they planning on staying at this house in this movie because time time is an abstract construct in this movie yeah um, very well to the point where you're not sure what era this movie is taking place in yeah. like it's it's like contemporary but well, it's really it's going for 80s vibes that's forever stuck in 1985 <laughs> right that's true like that i guess that's like the it, positive it way of looking at this of like uh i not renovation but like peak of uh expansion in that era and like is yeah. forever frozen there right because like the idea of a water park is like 1985 right but also yes. it just felt like it truly felt like they end up leaving what they say is early, but I'm like, you maybe have spent three weeks here already. Were they planning on spending the whole summer at this house? And my second follow-up question is, how rich are these people? Right. Well, so clearly this seems to be like his place. And whether it's... Right. It doesn't seem like it's a timeshare situation either. It feels like it's just like his place and sometimes i will say car salesman so it's like if he owns his own like car dealership that makes sense yes okay so here's what i will say from my like limited life experience growing up decidedly like middle middle class is i knew people who had like a house at the lake and it's less it's you you don't have to be as rich as you think to be able to do it at certain places like certain like really sure. like nice fancy places yeah you got to be like loaded but like there were definitely people who were like 
not too f- much higher up than our family on the ladder who had like vacation homes either like you went in on with like you and a couple other families or maybe this was something that like your has been in your family for maybe like from when your parents had it or whatever and they bought it you know in the 50s when shit was cheap or whatever mm-hmm. and they're just sort of these like because the houses are pretty modest or whatever and as you said everything's sort of like close quarters together so it's not like you have a lot of land or whatever it's just basically like the location so like there were those families who in the summer would just like go to lake erie and like that's where they would sort of like be for the summer and like the the parents would like the dad would like commute to work from there and whatever sometimes that was obviously not the case the case in this thing but like it did seem like they were just gonna like oh we're gonna spend the summer at the lake like that felt very much like the vibe in this movie so when they were leaving early it's like yeah you only spent three weeks out of whatever like eight weeks that you were gonna spend there Mm -hmm. but it also feeds into this idea of just like this kid who's like oh my god i'm sentenced to my entire summer spent with this like asshole guy who hates (laughs) me that i thought this movie that was one of the things i think there are certain things that this movie does very well not very well does well and one of them was... Or at least establishes well and doesn't really yeah. develop them. It it establishes Carell's character and the threat he poses to Duncan, the, the kid, mm-hmm. pretty well. Carell is not likable in this movie by design. I think he's... That's one of the things a... I think the movie does well is that like it understands the... like undercurrent of sinisterness or the like genuine asshole vibe that Steve Carell puts out that like no other movie not even Foxcatcher really gets right 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 he's a very believable um, because it also it's like he's not this like sneering villain he's not like physically abusive he's not whatever but like he's a bad guy who still has these moments of trying to do what he feels like is the right thing. He probably Mm -hmm. had like a really domineering father and he feels like he's got to like whip this kid into shape because his own father like doesn't want to be a parent and whatnot. And, but like not being a child of divorce myself, I still got this weird sense memory of like my aunt was married to this guy for a while who we all kind of hated. Mm -hmm. And the one I just, I literally clearly remember the one time at a family picnic where he was like, we were I, we were getting ready to leave, and he was like, "Go say goodbye to your grandfather before you leave." And I was like, I remember having this reaction of just like, first of all, you are not my dad, and you are not even my uncle, so like, get the fuck out of here. And I felt that reaction when I was watching a lot of what Carell was doing in this movie. Mm-hmm. So like, I can imagine if you were a child of divorce and had experiences with like, mom's got a boyfriend and I hate him. Like, I think it delivers that vibe pretty well. I definitely had the like horrible stepfather, but like, I also had a father who was good and present. So <laughs> right, um, right. like there's certain things that I think, I can understand from experience that I can't necessarily... I don't think the movie does well, specifically with this character. Like, the whole opening conversation that happens in this movie where he calls the kid a 3 out of 10, you know, whatever, and it, like, affects the kid. And I'm like, the mother would probably speak up about some 
of the like assholeisms that he projects onto Duncan, right? Especially if the mother is like Tony Collette, you know. Well, the, she's sleeping the in the car of... when he says that, right? Yes, but there's other things that are said throughout, and there's other like yes. domineering isms that I'm like, okay, maybe I understand how that doesn't happen, but like the movie doesn't explain the logic, like, and it makes you really not get on the side of Tony Collette's character to the point where it feels so underdeveloped and unestablished that like she has no response to this guy being an asshole to her kid uh yes a couple of things about that one of them is they do at some point late in the movie probably too late in the movie have her make the case that she's essentially having to make the hard choice for herself which is have no security have no either emotional or like financial or whatever security in her life or settle for this guy who is you know not nice and maybe doesn't treat her son well but is also again like not physically abusive not whatever like she's like definitely settling and making these sort of like mental emotional trade-offs and she knows that and she acknowledges that by the end the other thing is and i think you're right that it makes it harder to be on Tony Collette's side as much as you want to, because or it's to Tony at Collette. least just hear her perspective on this, or think that she has a perspective. I think she's the most underwritten character in the movie. They really needed to have one scene with her and Allison Janney in the middle of the movie. A that would set up that like warm goodbye that they have at the end of the movie. Yeah, which like is lovely, but it's not fully supported by the text in the movie. But like something where she like explains her position fully to appear Mm -hmm. because I do think there's something to the fact that you need to be able to be on the kid's side when the kid blows up her spot in the middle of the, or in the middle of the party or like be enough on his side that you don't think he's totally irredeemable. So you have to at least get his frustrations with his mother Mm -hmm. and feel those frustrations. So I do feel like keeping her, full perspective maybe a little bit in arm's length probably is something that could work for the movie just because you need to be on the kid's side a little bit at that moment Mm -hmm. but like you're absolutely right where like we needed to have more from her to understand her spot like that's the thing that little miss sunshine actually does really well and in really small moments is it gives the tony collette character in that movie these moments where you're just like, oh, I understand the position she's in. I understand the spot she's in with her husband and her kid and whatnot. Just in like movie terms and like, I don't want to say movie rules, but just like as you're sitting down to watch this movie, regardless of what your personal experience is, it's like you have to understand what this dynamic is and it has to make sense. And like, it's just off enough that it doesn't make sense. Like it's maybe that he's too much of an asshole or maybe like she's doesn't have enough of her something like the it yeah. the dynamic just is like and it's one of the problems of the movie because it's so off that you know exactly what the end point of this relationship will be the whole movie so yeah everything is predictable about where it goes though like i guess to the point of she never has any perspective of how he this guy talks to her son like she has a fight with him and like stands up to him for herself first because he's cheating on her yes yeah and they have this like petty fight over literal candy land yeah that scene I when enjoyed like too. The, we've had so many scenes beforehand where it's like 
maybe she should have been like, hey, you're going too far with my son. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So we'll get into that once we get on the other side of the plot description. But before we did that, I want we should mention that this was the movie that our our uh, Twitter followers voted for when we put up the poll a few weeks ago. We wanted to because uh, we tend to do sort of we pick our movies mo- a month at a time for and at a clip, and um, we you know try and have you guys guess on Twitter, and you can only put up four images. But August is a five. Monday movie or five Monday month so we wanted to have our fifth movie in the month be a little bit of something special so we put up a poll and we wanted it to be uh, Oscar buzz movies that were released in summer which is a little bit of a a rare bird not an entirely rare bird kind but of like, a floating nebulous creature but we also hadn't done a listener's choice in a long time so right it's nice yeah. to give it back to the listeners a little bit listeners, it is. if you so, don't follow us on twitter do so and you can uh, vote in the next listener's choice absolutely had underscore oscar underscore buzz all right so uh this poll we had we found four movies that had opened in summer that ultimately had oscar buzz we had the way way back de lovely the 2004 kevin klein ashley judd cole porter musical allison Moore, or not allison alana's morissette <laughs> allison wilmore singing fantastically in the lovely <laughs> allison her. williams singing what i am <laughs> um we had something to talk about the julia roberts jenna Rollins, kira sedgwick film romantic comedy and we had the legendary and still unseen by me goya's ghosts which uh, Milos Foreman directed Natalie Portman to what's the quote, Chris? You say it better. Than uh, she she said, I believe it was at an actress roundtable. She didn't name the movie by title, if I remember correctly, but she said she did a movie with Milos Foreman one time. It's the only movie she did with Milos Foreman, so it's obviously Goya's Ghost. And he told her that she was she was acting like she was in a bad movie, and this is a good movie. <laughs> and he was wrong a great quote i am would was would have been excited to see it i will say i will just say that so anyway by a pretty uh emphatic margin our listeners chose the way way back i feel like i mean never never to cast aspersions on why something wins in a poll but it was definitely the most recent of all of those movies the most fresh in people's minds it's definitely the one we've mentioned in previous episodes the most probably yeah and, and like, it definitely some... has a clear Oscar narrative. It was such mm-hmm. a Sundance thing that year, which we'll definitely get into. But like a huge Sundance acquisition for Searchlight, which is such an Oscar-y studio. The Oscar narrative was there for it from a pretty you know early stage. Absolutely. I also think okay. it's probably just one of those things where it's on Twitter too, and it's you know people who maybe don't know who we are. It, like the algorithm puts us in their feed, and they see a poll, and they pick one, and it's the only title they might know. Um, yes. So next time, maybe we pick all rarities or all well-known movies. Rarities and B sides. That's when we will really <laughs> get get the listenership. Absolutely. Because I feel right. like that happened a little bit with Cloud Atlas for us too. Oh, that's a good point. All right, so we are uh, rolling on up on the 20-minute mark, which means it's time for us to do our 60-second plot description of the film The Way, Way Back. We, uh, just to set the table for The Way, Way Back, it is written and directed by the team of Nat Faxon and Jim Rash, who 
our Oscar winners for the script for The Descendants. The film stars Liam James, Tony Collette, Steve Carell, Sam Rockwell, Allison Janney, Maya Rudolph, Anna Sophia Robb, Amanda Peet, and Rob Corddry. It premiered on January 21st, 2013 at the Sundance Film Festival and then opened in limited release in July, July 5th, 2013. Went wide a couple weeks after that. Made a little bit of money. Not, you know, didn't break Not the, the money they box wanted office, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the way, way back. Chris, are you prepared for a 60 second plot description? Uh, you know what? Sure. Sure. <laughs> All right. Why not? Uh, the clock is set, ready when you are. All right, let's and... do this. Uh, go. Okay, so Liam James plays a sad loser who, a sad virgin who can't drive, named Duncan. <laughs> he is going on vacation with his mom and her boyfriend and his daughter to some like seaside, beachside uh, town. We're guessing in, in like New England. Uh, his uh, his mom's boyfriend is an asshole, and he is trying to avoid him the whole time. Meanwhile, his mom is like kind of avoiding him at the same time and just like he gets mad at his mom because like they go and smoke pot or something like she's not allowed to do that 30 seconds anyway he ends up at a uh the fucking uh water park where uh sam rockwell who stars as owen who's kind of this like you know a like bad boy who runs a water park for whatever reason he ends up getting a job there and owen like teaches him how to like have confidence or something like that and then eventually uh duncan's mom and uh, his boyfriend have a fight so they leave early and then i guess uh his mom decides to focus on him because she gets in the backseat of the car um yeah what is this movie okay so a lot of this movie is predicated on reminding you of other movies i was gonna say it reminds you of a lot of movies because it's one of my least favorite genres of movies which is probable alcoholic teaches teenage loser how to bag (laughs) chicks like i hate these kind of movies to begin with but it's adjacent to a lot of genres that i do like i do like one transformative summer movies when done well i do like um like the, uh, so in general the stuff with the family at the house worked for me and all the stuff at the water park didn't work for me pretty much like or the stuff at the house mostly worked for me mm-hmm. but like i hated almost everything that wasn't maya rudolph at the water park at like i do like sam rockwell i have to say in this movie oh i thought he was he, I, it's a little too much but he's, like he's at if like a was... 14 he is at a 14, but I think because it's Sam Rockwell before Sam Rockwell played exclusively racists, um, <laughs> he like still has like, remember, we'll get into it, obviously, but like when it was cool to be like Sam Rockwell's an underrated actor and he needs an Oscar nomination. It's oh, very much yes. still of that era. We'll get into it yes. later. But like you can imagine the version of it where he's played by like Will Ferrell, Zach Galifianakis, and it is sure unwatchable unbearable no that's Um, true but like it's it's and i mean as you said like probable alcoholic who shouldn't be you know telling anybody anything like there's so much of him that is so overbearing mm -hmm. from the start and as speaking as a kid i'm doing a lot of like personal reminiscing i'm very sorry (laughs) um speaking as a kid who was like quiet and like i wasn't like this like sullen goth kid or whatever but like I was quiet and and 
didn't always like to be like have the center of attention or anything like that so like the idea that i there would be this like stranger adult who was like not only like paying all of this attention but just like prodding me to like be an extrovert i'm just like absolutely not it doesn't make sense because it would have repulsed a character like duncan i would have never never come come back back. i would have left and never come back absolutely Absolutely. like that i completely agree with i would have read a book in my room for that entire summer (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but at the same time, I do think Sam Rockwell is, like, a likable version of it. And when he does have to be, like, the good person who is supportive to this kid, it is believable. He makes it believable in a way that I don't think the script does. For me, everything in that water park made me want to watch Adventureland. See, I like, don't like Adventureland. Oh, I love Adventureland. Adventureland is, to me, the good version of everything happening in the water park and the yeah. way, way back. Yeah. It's so, it, it does, it's actual nostalgia, which I think works. It's, um, it has a lot more like characters, even the like Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig characters who are more like the people in the way, way back in that they're like more cartoony and sort mm-hmm. of caricatures. They're funnier to me. And the character stuff, the interaction stuff all seems in that movie seems a lot more real like more real more well observed more well performed in a lot of ways like i don't want to get on liam james's case but like i don't think he's super good in this movie no which is weird because he got a ton he got a ton of like younger actor nominations at a bunch of awards no sorry just uh where's katie rich when we need her um this kid is not good um i know i feel bad i'm sure he's a lovely person you're uh, absolutely he's probably better in other things um perhaps miscast here you're right about maya rudolph though like every time she shows up it's like oh thank god because shows up by the way wildly obviously pregnant and it's not (laughs) her character is not and it's just like they just took zero pains to try and hide the fact that she is like midterm at least pregnant yeah poor actress uh had to be pregnant at a water park every scene of her movie in the summer heat <laughs> um, but it's also like in comparison you were mentioning the like theme park workers in Adventureland everybody except her is a creep at this park like you yes. have the writer directors of the movie as different people one of which is like ogling teenage girls on water slides it's... first of all that scene goes on for a million years and expects it's... us to be laughing the entire time it fully like accepts the premise that its entire audience is would naturally be on the side of this guy who's like using his position of authority to a ogle this girl at the water slide and b get other people to also be able to ogle underage girls at the water slide like it's so fucking gross and it's like this movie was seven years ago it is not does not have an excuse of like oh we didn't know it was 1987 like no fuck off like it's it Oh, it made me so mad. And that they they return to it at the end of the movie to show, like, how much Duncan has, like, grown into himself and become, like, a more confident kid that now, like, he's going to be the one doing this. And it's just like, fuck off, movie. Yeah. This is so annoying. I hate it. 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Everybody at the water park, those like those Cretan kids who are like not his friends are like picking on him or whatever, but you're supposed to be like, oh, that's, you know, kids. The ones who get stuck in the water slide. They're all like, I never want to see them at any point ever again. Mm-hmm. The stepsister and her children. friends. Yes. Everybody's a bad child except for Anna Sophia Robb, who is like wonderful and sweet, but also it's like she's barely a character. She's you know Yeah, I liked Anna Sophia Robb and I just wanted her to have more to do because I always like, like Anna Sophia Robb. I genuinely think she's really good. I loved the Carrie Diaries so much and um, Yeah, but yeah. this is also another dude movie where it's like, aren't yeah. hot girls all shallow and mean? Like mm. and I was just like the way that like it gives you Anna Sophia Robb to be like, ooh, but she's different um but That's like another all thing, of by her the way friends that Adventureland hates, does a lot better it's like they're all awful and it's just uh, yeah i i hate those teen boy movies where it's like hot girls are mean yeah no i agree i agree um, with that it's hard to figure out like where to navigate the conversation of this movie because it's all like mashed in this mishigas where like all of the like talking points kind of go in and out of each other because you mentioned this is like a whole lot of uh, the movies designed to make you think of a whole lot of other movies. And it's like a whole lot of those are Sundance movies, <laughs> um, specifically little miss sunshine, which is a whole like part of the Oscar conversation for this movie. So I don't really know where to direct the conversation. The description for the movie, when I fired it up on Amazon literally said from the studio behind Little Miss Sunshine and Juno. Like, it was this so much a part of the marketing. This is from the studio that brought you the movie. Like, this right. is the poster like child the, for that. But uh, to me, it's a detriment. Like, I think they yeah. thought it was a positive, which was, you liked Little Miss Sunshine. Look, it's this movie with, A, the vibe, trying to go for the vibe of Little Miss Sunshine, and B, with two of the stars in Little Miss Sunshine who were playing siblings in that movie and now are like... Uh, a romantic couple with zero chemistry, by the way, which like, to me, it was only more of a testament to Little Miss Sunshine and how great Tony Collette and Steve Carell are in that movie, mm-hmm. that they have no sexual chemistry in this movie. It's like, yeah, they're siblings. They are, they're always going to be siblings. Like, that's fine. Um, it made me, once again, and I already really, really like Little Miss Sunshine. I'm sure that's not a movie that you like either. I haven't it's watched fine. it in a long time. I can't really speak to it. At the time, I was really disappointed by it. Um... I love and continue to love I haven't seen it in a long time though I would rewatch it but it's to the point where they tried to carbon copy the entire trajectory of Little Miss Sunshine and like Little Miss Sunshine was big at that Sundance I don't think this movie was as big at the at its Sundance however they it was in certain ways I think it because it was the most expensive acquisition at that time in mm-hmm. Sundance history. Fox Searchlight buys it for $10 million. That's what made it a story. It mm-hmm. wasn't like this organic, you know, everyone's talking about way, way back because they loved it. It was, it. I think it was before the premiere, the, the deal went down. So now all of a sudden everybody's like, all right, what's this $10 million movie everybody's talking about? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but like they release it at the same time in the summer. Uh, oh it, yeah, yeah. Little Miss Sunshine though, like had a better critical response out of Sundance though than this did. Hugely, yeah. Little Miss Sunshine was a more organic hit. I think it's it's interesting because a lot of the criticism that Little Miss Sunshine got was that it was this sort of like um, 
manipulative, prefabricated, uh, you know, engineered whimsy kind of a thing, which mm-hmm. I do take issue with. But if that's if you know if that's what the low key criticism of Little Miss Sunshine was, at that exists in spades in the way way back. Mm-hmm. It's so prefabricated. I think part of it. I do kind of. I do kind of feel bad because this is a script that had been bouncing around forever. They had been trying to make this movie happen for a very long time. This movie was on the blacklist of unproduced screenplays in 2007. So like six years before this movie got made and already. So like who knows when the script was actually written. I think maybe that does play into the weird out of time Mm-hmm. nature of the movie where like you don't know what era this is supposed to be taking place in i read i think it might have been in yeah 80s. like why doesn't duncan have a cell phone <laughs> right right and it's just like it, it feels like this is an 80s movie that i think katie when she wrote it up for cinema land at, at sundance that year um said like for budget maybe for budget reasons they had to like make it contemporary because they didn't have the budget to um make mm-hmm. it period actually did it but like it does feel like a memory like a you know a memoir of someone's summer and those movies almost always take place in either the 80s now of course everybody's older so these movies are maybe taking place in the 90s um it i always get made freaked a lot out. of sense as a ni- more of a 90s movie to me than an 80s yes. movie um yes. just because like it just doesn't make a ton of sense at all as a contemporary movie. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the water park thing too. It's so funny because I just the other day watched a screener for the upcoming, by the time I think this podcast is out, it'll already be out um, on HBO Max, this documentary called um, Class Action Park, which was about the action park, water park in New Jersey that was like notorious for its incredibly like unsafe rides and all these people like got injured and there were deaths at the park and whatnot. I want to watch and this immediately. <laughs> it's you'll really like it. It's really, I hate really true good. crime, but like this is it's exactly it, what I want to watch. One of the talking heads is Chris Gethard because he was like, he course, grew up in that area and he went and he is so incredibly funny in his like recollections of the park you kind of want the whole movie to just be like an hour of him riffing on action park because it's so good he's really funny about it you want a herzog documentary but instead of herzog it's chris gethard yeah basically um it's really really good so like go to hbo max go and watch it it's wonderful but so that so watching the way way back now i'm already very steeped in this idea of like water parks as 1980s canon so there are definitely like still water parks today, but they always do seem like they're relics of a bygone era. Like oh, totally. You enter a time machine when you go into one. I don't right. think I I say that now, but I don't think I've been to one at least in a solid decade because even before COVID, I am not a, you know relishing the opportunity to walk myself into a petri dish. Um, I appreciate a pool, but like I don't like strangers enough that like (laughs) water parks have never appealed my my favorite (laughs) water ride was not at a water park but it was at our uh just a regular amusement park we went to darien lake in the summer and they had a ride called the grizzly run where it was you and like whatever like six to eight people in a a giant sort of like uh floating it's not like an inner tube it's like an apparatus but floats on like a giant inflated tire kind of thing or whatever and you go down this like rapids and 
you're all like you're buckled in it was like it was very much like not like action park whatever it was just like you did feel like you were safe and secure but you were going down these like rapids and it was super fun but like that's the extent of i don't need to go down like a giant water slide on a flimsy little mat or my something eyes like that. are bugged out hearing you describe this it sounds like an ear infection <laughs> you only get like you don't get wet from like being submerged in water it's just like it's like running water that like cascades over you so it's fine you're fine I... I do I do like a lazy river especially if I can have some type of cocktail or wine. I think you're just describing floating on a raft in a pool in your backyard. I think that's what basically you want to do, which I is what I want. want to do. I don't have a yard, but I would happily um have one if I could yeah. float in it drunk. Once okay. again, we return to my longing to go on vacation. <laughs> this this uh, this whole episode is just us talking about vacation rather Seriously. than this movie. Um, okay, so but, but I mentioned. Wa- sorry, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say I didn't want to get too far away from my mention of the 2007 blacklist because uh, a if you go and check out that year's blacklist, it is a incredibly like fruitful list of movies that ended up getting made like like stuff that you would think of and like stuff that you wouldn't like even have expected would be on something like the blacklist like jack ryan shadow recruit is on there oh my god Um, why weirdly like justice league is on there but then it's also like stuff like orphan and um salt and the wrestler and zombie land and um burnt aka adam adam jones And, um, oh, happy thank you more, please, that uh, uh, Josh Radnor movie. So it's, like, this weird mixture of, like, future, like, blockbuster types, like Clash of the Titans is on there, and also future um, Sundance-y kinds of things. But so this incredibly, like, fertile and rich field of movies, I decided, of course, I wanted to make a game because I love giving you tests and quizzes and if games, this episode Chris. is itself a water park we're taking a trip to one of those booths where you can win a large teddy bear that you have to that's carry true oh my god time. chris and and much like those booths it is uh rigged to f- make you fail but also okay. in a very fun way so that's fine All no right, i thought see how this game goes you can tell me what i win after Exactly. All right. So I thought we would return to one of my favorite game types here, which is the movie character mashup game, where I will name three movie characters and you will name for me the film that all of those actors are in together. Uh And all of the answers to this will be films from the 2007 Blacklist. Now, in the past, listeners, you may know that Chris has been able to, I'm not going to say cheat, but let's say enhance his odds by (laughs) knowing, having intimate knowledge of the closed set of answers. So, like, when we did this for Warner Independent movies, Chris knows what all the Warner Independent movies are. So he was able to sometimes just sort of guess without working through the game as intended let's say. i rigged the game i did not cheat sir it was i worked it, backwards from the way you wanted me to but you I got found a answers. workaround yes yes i, I was I, chris evans scarlett johansson vehicle the perfect score <laughs> you're always the perfect score no nice. but my guess is you don't have as comprehensive a knowledge of the 2007 Blacklist, so it'll be interesting to see how it's a good how educated guess. Okay, are these characters the character names they play in that movie, or these no. actors have played that character before and they're in all other in other movies? Movie? Okay. 
these are characters from other movies, but the actors who played those people are all in the same movie, and that movie exists on the 2007 blacklist. So just to give you like a parameter, the films on this uh, on the, this blacklist were produced and released in years ranging from 2008 to 2018, roughly. So in that 10-year span. Okay. Okay. So starting off, your three characters are Mark Zuckerberg, Snow White, and The Herald. Okay, so that's Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, Snow White, I am guessing, is Kristen Stewart. Is this Adventureland? It is. Do you want to take a guess as to who the Herald is? The Herald, oh my god, is... Um, oh no, it's uh, Kristen Wiig in Mother. Yes, thank you. Okay, I'm glad you got that. That was just for you. Thank um, you. If we ever play this with any of our you other brought friends, brought some life into this house. <laughs> okay, next one. Lois Lane, Blofeld... And Gideon Graves. Uh, this is Big Eyes because Lois Lane is Amy Adams. Blofeld is uh, Christoph Waltz. And I don't know who the third one was. Gideon Graves is Jason Schwartzman in uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. <sighs> We're going to eventually have to do Big Eyes and it will be <laughs> a l- sad burger for me. It will be a oh most depressing salad. I'm going to um, find a way to quiz you on... Um, actresses with big eyes from tim burton movies i'm gonna find a way to do that (laughs) too bad it's not a visual podcast or else we could do just like screenshots of just eyes and you have to guess the tim burton actress by her eyes oh i would do that easy we could do that on the twitter maybe all right we'll see okay next one romeo montague max rakatansky and bill weasley uh romeo montague is uh leo dicaprio um bill weasley is donald gleason is this the revenant yes max rakatansky of course being tom hardy in mad max fury road i do not know mad max's last name Uh, yes ew the revenant for its screenplay yes was a blacklist script you know sure (coughs) all right next one april o'neill cosette and seth cohen Okay. April O'Neil, I know, is something that I need to know what that is. Cosette is, um, I'm guessing Amanda Seyfried. It could also be Claire Danes. What was the third name? Uh, Seth Cohen. Oh, I should say a couple of these are television. Oh, okay. Seth Cohen. That sounds like a name I should know. Amy what? April O'Neil. April O'Neil. I you intentionally do this game to me because you know I don't know character names. Um This one is a tough one. I will say April O'Neil, either you like really know the franchise that she's from or you don't. And even if you do, this is sort of the uh like second or third iteration of this franchise in a film, and I had forgotten that she was the one who played April O'Neil in this movie. So like, this is tough, but also it's the only character in her filmography that has any name value whatsoever. Okay. So it's, it's a sequel of a known character in whatever this franchise is. She doesn't show up until like the second or third. No, she's like, she's a, she's an integral character to this franchise. She's like, she's like, the the all right she's the human woman sort of um conduit for this team of n- like 
humanoid. Uh, oh, it's uh, an X Men movie. No, but that's a good, that's a good uh, guess. No, it's um, a little bit campier than that, and a little bit more. Um, not niche necessarily, but it's very early. Oh, 90s. it's um, uh, is is April O'Neil the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yes, yes. Um, so that is Megan Fox. See, I didn't even remember that she was uh, she was in that later one. Yes, but yes, it's Megan Fox. Megan Fox, and Cyfred. Oh, it's a Jennifer's body. Duh. It's Jennifer's body. I even Seth almost Cohen. just said I would have known her if you said her name was Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer's body uh, rules. Jennifer's body rules. I I've said that many times. Seth Cohen, by the way, I, I think that's another one where either you watched The OC or you didn't. And if you watched The I OC, you would know I, I that refused, that's Adam Brody. Sorry. All right. Uh, I think there's only one more television one in here. Adam but, Brody, uh, who when I put in the DVD that I got from the library of The Way Way Back, Adam Brody showed up in the trailer for Baggage Claim, which oh was... A Fox Searchlight movie. We need more movies like Baggage Claim. That's all I have to say. I missed the days of pre-programmed trailers before movies on home video. It is a lost... I think I mentioned this before on the podcast, but it is truly a lost moment of shared culture where we all Mm -hmm. would come together and know certain movies because they were trailers before popular videos. Anyway, whatever. I just miss romantic comedies that are just absolutely silly like Baggage Claim. (laughs) <laughs> wait what is the plot of baggage claim genuinely couldn't tell you just from the trailer it's like she has to fly around to find this guy she wants to date okay i was thinking the baggage claim was unaccompanied minors okay all no. right it's not that no okay who's the woman in it paul pat sure okay no idea okay wait no i do think i know what you're talking jill about jill scott's now. in this movie that's wonderful all right, next one. She's Joanna great. Kramer, Julie Powell, and Lester Bangs. Lester Bangs is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Julie Powell. Did you say Julie Powell? I did. Um, is that... Why did I... Uh, no, you said Julie Kramer. No, I Joanna said Joanna Kramer. Joanna Kramer. That it, This movie is Doubt. Uh, Joanna Kramer is Meryl from uh, Kramer vs. Kramer. Yes. Julie Powell um, is Amy Adams and Julie. Ju- I almost said Julie versus Julie. No. Julie versus Julia. At a moment in that movie, it is Julie versus Julia. So you're mm-hmm. absolutely when right. she's making aspects, it is definitely well. Also, when she finds out that Julia Child hates her by proxy. Yes. All right. Anyway, Sir Walter Raleigh, Darby Shaw, and Lyndon Johnson. Oh boy. Um. Who's played Lyndon Johnson uh, besides Liev Schreiber? Shout out to our episode on the butler. Um, mm. uh, well, no, because uh, Tom Wilkinson is Lyndon Johnson in Selma. But what could this movie be? What are the other, the first two character names? Sir Walter, Sir Walter Raleigh. And Darby Shaw. Darby Shaw sounds familiar. Sir Walter Raleigh. So it's somebody who is conceivably British or conceivable as British. 
I will say Darby Shaw is very, very adjacent to a movie you saw within the last like two days, maybe three days. <laughs> so it's very adjacent to the way, way back. Um, no. What else have you seen that you were texting me about? That I was texting you about. Do I need to pull up my letterbox? Damn. Um, oh, the, uh, the firm. Right. So Dar- adjacent, what would be adjacent to the firm? Uh, another Grisham movie. Uh-huh. The client. Uh-uh. Uh-huh or uh-uh? No, not the client. No, I've uh-huh, already tortured guilty. you with the name of the lead character and the client before. Yes, you have. It's something like, um, Wednesday smokes a lot. I don't it know. was uh-huh. Reggie Love, but don't get Reggie, sidetracked. Sure. No, not the client. What is directly adjacent to the firm? Uh, the one that, oh, it's a, is it a time to kill? Nope. Okay. Pelican brief. Yes. Julia Roberts. Yes. Okay. So Julia Roberts with Lee F. Schreiber or Tom Wilkinson. The first character name is Sir. War- Sir. I can't believe I keep. Oh, is this uh duplicity? Is that Clive Owen? Yes. From. Okay. Uh, no idea. From Elizabeth the Golden Age. How dare oh, you not God. know intimately the name of the characters in Elizabeth the Golden Age? I, too, can control the wind, sir, but I don't know the character names from that movie. <laughs> okay. Next one. Uh, the characters are Driver, Bruce sure. Wayne, and Harvey Pekar. Uh, well, Ryan Gosling is Driver. Harvey Pekar is Paul Giamatti. Which makes Bruce Wayne one of a bunch of people. But what movie is Ryan Gosling? Oh, is this um, The Ides of March? Yes, who's our Bruce Wayne? Uh, then that would make it George Clooney. Yes. Driver, by the way, from the film Drive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. Jay Gatsby, Palmer Joss, and Queen Elizabeth I. Uh, Gatsby could be either Robert Redford or Leonardo DiCaprio. Queen Elizabeth I is probably Kate Winslet. Could be Judy Dench. Not Kate Winslet, hon. Or, uh, sorry, Kate Blanchett. Jeez. <laughs> Send me to the gulags. Um, uh, uh, okay, so Blanchett or Dench... Who did I say the first one was? Jay Gatsby. Jay Gatsby. Oh, is this Jay Edgar? It is not Jay Edgar. But that is well deduced. But no, it is not Jay Edgar. All right. What has DiCaprio been in? It's less likely that it's DiCaprio and Blanchett and more likely to be Redford and Blanchett. Um, But what is that movie? All right. I'm going to tell you. It can't be truth. It's not. You said her first. That is a Blanchett Redford movie, but it's not truth. You are, um, I will say, wrong on both of those performers. Okay, so it is DiCaprio and Dench, and it is not Jay Edgar. You are right on one of those performers. Oh, so it's a different Queen Elizabeth. Think recent. Ooh. I'm going to be missing, like, a 2019 movie, aren't I? Um, 
DiCaprio with someone who has played Queen Elizabeth. Um, to some acclaim and limited awards attention. I mean, it's not Helen Mirren who played her on TV. It's not. Think of her in tandem with someone. Queen Elizabeth I. Right. In tandem with, let's say... Oh, Jesus Christ, it's Margot Robbie. How dare you? (laughs) Acclaim scare quotes. Um, So this is um, The Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Uh, Jay Gatsby, Leonardo DiCaprio, Queen Elizabeth I is Margot Robbie in Mary Queen of Scots. And I included Palmer Joss because I just wanted to point out that the character that Matthew McConaughey plays in Contact is named Palmer Joss, which is the worst name of a character in a film I have ever seen. Yeah. All right. Next one. Um, All right. This one is kind of evil, but I think you'll get it. Detective Loki, Daphne Kluger... And Olaf. Daphne Kluger is Anne Hathaway in Ocean's 8. Um, Olaf is unfortunately Josh Gad in Frozen. And what was the first name? It was familiar. Detective Loki. Which so is not not, a, not so much a first name, but a title. It is not Tom Hiddleston. That would be an I amazing spinoff is. of Thor, though. <laughs> Detective, <laughs> Detective Loki. I would watch the fuck out of that. Well, you him can watch whatever the hell his own show is going to be. It would be, be him um, and what's-her-name um, uh, who plays uh, Darcy in the Thor movies. Why can't I think of her name now? Um, Natalie Portman's sidekick. Uh, not. I almost said Caitlin Deaver. It's not her. Um, it's Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Why can't I think of her name? Yeah, that's going to drive me insane. Um, anyway. Um, it's not okay. difficult. All right, I'll look her up. <laughs> It's so bad that I can't think of her name. Uh, okay, well, who are the people that I was saying? Kat Dennings, for God's sake, Kat Dennings. All right, Kat sorry, Dennings. Kat Dennings, we love you. Um, I just block out everything that Josh Gad is in um, from my brain, from my consciousness. You've definitely from... seen this movie, I know for a fact, because um, we talked about it on this podcast. Oh, is it an episode we've done? Yep. Oh, it's Love and Other Drugs. Yes, it is. Yeah. Detective Loki is Jake Gyllenhaal's character in Prisoners because that character <laughs> is so much weirder than you remember. Prisoners is a good movie. It's just it is. long. It's, yeah. you know, three it's hours junk. about child it's abuse. It's junk, but it's fun junk at times. All right. Sometimes it's not fun, but also worth watching. Okay, anyway. Bruce Wayne, Hawkeye, and Adeline Bowman. Not another Bruce Wayne, honey. Um, Hawkeye is Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing that the Bruce Wayne is Ben Affleck, and this is the town. Yes, guesses on who Adeline Bowman is. Uh, is it Rebecca Hall, or it is, is it? No, it's Adeline. Age of Adeline. Uh, Blake Lively. It is. It is. Well done. Well guessed. The town. All right. Next one is Kitty Pride, Casey Becker, and Lee Krasner. You have done Casey Becker to me before. Have and I? it has stumped me embarrassingly, <laughs> and I forget what it is. Um, okay. Lee Krat. Who's played Lee Krasner? Uh, 
Casey Casey Becker is oh my god this is like a 90s movie it is it's a very um, 90s movie yeah maybe it was that I thought it was embarrassing because it was familiar and it was a movie I never actually saw now I'm no like, you've almost certainly myself. seen this movie um, unless you like reject an entire genre of movies you've seen this movie sure Kitty Pride sounds like a superhero character but isn't and that's why that's tripping me up i know that one too well you're half right okay so it is a superhero character yes is it ellen page yes from okay uh, from yeah. x from the x-men movies i hate the x-men movies the ones I that i've seen um i like first class um x-men 2 is great uh okay ellen page Casey Becker and Lee Krasner. There is a three-word phrase. To, no, Lee Krasner is Marsha Gay in Colic. There's a three-word clue I can give you to get Lee Krasner, and that is what a thrill. That a is uh, Marsha um, Gay Harden from Pollock. Yes. And this what did you say? Whip it. It's Whip it. Yeah, because Casey Becker is whomst? Uh, Drew Barrymore in something. And Scream. Scream. God. Yes, I absolutely should know that because. Yeah. I adore Scream. Yeah, thought so. Okay, all right, next one. Jack Twist, Norma Bates, and Jean-Michel Basquiat. Well, Jack Twist, Jack Nasty is Jake Gyllenhaal from... Thank you. Broke Thank you for giving me his full Christian name. <laughs> yeah, his government name. Yes. Um, what was the second one you said? Because I feel like it's Anne Heche. Norma Bates. Norma Bates. Uh, oh, Norma Bates. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Oh, that's Vera Farmiga from Bates Motel. Indeed it is. Tried to get one over on me, didn't ya? Jake I Gyllenhaal. I told you there was another television one. Sure, 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 sure. Um, I know what this is. It's just not immediately jumping to me what Vera Farmiga and Jake Gyllenhaal were in. What was the third name? Jean-Michel Basquiat. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. This is Source Code. Yes. Well done. Source Code. Indeed. All right, last one for all the marbles, pass or fail based on this one. Um, Methuselah, Queen Elizabeth II, and Mary Boleyn. Uh, cool. <laughs> uh, well, Queen Elizabeth II could be Helen Mirren. It could be Olivia Coleman. It could be Claire Foy. Um, Mary Boleyn. can't imagine that the other Boleyn girl has someone playing a mother um though maybe I'm crazy wait walk me down the logic of what you just said there the other Boleyn girl I don't think there's the mother of the Boleyn unless is is uh Scarlett Johansson Mary Boleyn yeah, why do you think that Mary Boleyn has to be a mother? I because I don't know monarch history. Um Okay, also I will say there is a mother to the Boleyn girls and the other Boleyn girl and it is Kristen Scott Thomas. Ah, fantastic. But you're right about Scarlett Johansson. I will just so say that. So Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson and either Helen Mirren, Olivia Coleman, it's not going to be Olivia Coleman. It's not going to be Claire Foy, so I'm just going to lean into it being Helen Mirren and Scarlett Johansson. 
and someone who's played Methuselah. Uh, this is a film that has come up twice in the IMDb game and given us fits both of those times. Really? Yes. Is it red? No. That's shown up before. Oh, is it Hitchcock? Yes. Why? It is because... Hitchcock. What movie does Anthony Hopkins play Methuselah? Oh my God, is it Alexander? No? No, it is Darren Aronofsky's Sof- Noah. Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> Congratulations, it. Chris. You have endured another... Congratulations. Um, you have discovered I don't really know the Bible that well. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, I did okay on that game. You did okay on that one. Considering I, said, I played it the way that you backed me into a corner to you, play oh, it. Uh, I like, okay, for the record, Chris File refers to playing by the rules of the game as established as being backed into hey, a corner. The, and if you can't I hear me not, making I, quote marks when I say that, I, I reiterate that I that. never cheated in that game. I got the answer fair and square. You did. You just took an end run around the game. And this time you played it as intended, and I respect you for that. Listen, even Clue has secret passageways when you play it, and that's still in the rules. <laughs> Do so not bring Clue off. into this. Not in a ga- not in a movie that featured Candyland. It's board game rival. Wouldn't would that be an amazing Candyland movie? Of a rainy day. <laughs> I want to write a script about a movie that is like total like historical fiction about the person who invented Clue and the person who invented Candyland being like rivals who were once partners. Watched the like, hell out of that. They had a disagreement over like the nature of board games, like uh, very much uh, Freud and Jung from uh, A Dangerous Method mm-hmm. last year or last week. And but it's about uh, Candyland and Clue. And it's like the woman who invented categories likes to be spanked a lot. Wait, um, are those both Milton Bradley games? Because they could literally be just like the the schism Milton between and Bradley. Milton and Bradley. We should we should write a screenplay about Milton and Bradley. We should. Nobody, anybody listening to this, that's our idea. No, that's stories. our idea. This uh, this audio counts as a copyright. That's um, right. This is a binding contract. Podcasts are binding contracts. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's... Anyway, back to the way way back and like the whole Oscar buzziness of it. I feel yes. like. Oscar and Sundance has cooled out, has like people have chilled a little bit because the way way back is of the era where it was like trying to find the Oscar movie at Sundance. And now it's like this year, it's like maybe the Oscar movie of Sundance. And if you can think of anything else, throw it out there, Joe. But like it's Anthony Hopkins and the yes, father. Right? I was just Which about is to not say. like people are you know turning it into this big best picture thing it's just anthony hopkins is amazing that movie was already poised to go that trajectory when they took it to sundance it already had a distributor blah 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 blah. i think we've talked about this before when we've talked about other movies that have premiered at sundance that the sundance best picture mystique feels like it's very much um the story of precious which was comes out of nowhere makes a huge splash at Sundance and eventually like that buzz rolls all the way along to a best picture nomination. Mm-hmm. I think up, I think usually what that story usually is is what you just described, which is a performance, a Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone, a um Saoirse best Ronan in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. What's that? Best picture both of those best picture nominees that like it eventually gets there but like 
Oh yeah, Winter's Bone was. That's right, a very contentious so Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Um, yes, but still yes. like. I guess, like, to describe Precious as the peak is really true because, like, it would have, it needed that long birth of people Mm -hmm. seeing it across several festivals and doing well at several festivals Mm -hmm. to, like, really get kind of the weight behind it in the way that, like, you want to champion a Sundance hit for Oscar in that way where it does feel organic and earned, right? Whereas, like, something like The Way Way Back or certain other, like, uh, this era of Sundance movies, it feels so prepackaged, and it's like, well, I think it's with anything because also we've you know we've talked about Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine was also a like an organic Sundance hit. Like that was mm-hmm. something that began at Sundance and rolled on. I think it's those things. I think you look at it at all these film festivals where, as the machine learns. It you know the spontaneity sort of goes away, and as these film festivals learn the rules of the game, it is going to feel harder and harder to find the, like a true rags to riches, a true like f- picked it out out of nowhere, and you have to start going further and further afield to find it. I think mm-hmm. that's definitely true. I also feel like we're at this point with Sundance where. I think the instinctive pushback against it is in equal measure, if not maybe even more so, to the benefits of it. Like, mm-hmm. I think that the buzz that can be created positively by Sundance, by critics seeing a movie early, by buzz sort of going around, I think that is in equal parts counterbalanced by this sense of Sundance hype, all these movies that were big Sundance buys that crashed and burned, your happy Texases and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And also, I think more and more, and especially as movie uh, criticism and movie dialogue on you know things like Twitter and whatnot is getting more insider literate, the sense of quote-unquote festival fever is becoming more of a thing that people talk about. And so Mm -hmm. I think that is a way, and that is a term I always sort of instinctively bristle at whenever something gets a good review out of Sundance and people immediately are like, it's the altitude, it's festival fever, it's not a real thing, blah, 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 blah. Because it's such a, it's such a shutdown of any kind of qualitative discussion where it's just sort of just like, and it assumes that anybody who sees that movie at Sundance can't be trusted because they're mm-hmm. seeing it at Sundance. So it's this weird, like closed loop of um, you can't, you can't argue your way out of it. It's, it's a way for people to sort of like shut down all discussion. And that really annoys yeah. me, but um, I do feel like that's a thing. And I th- feel like when a movie like the way, way back every festival, it's the thing at every festival, especially where the talent involved is showing up where it's like the energy in the room. Like there's an enthusiasm for the product that like nobody else has seen. Sometimes you haven't even seen a trailer for certain things and you can really, um, you can see things fresh and maybe with a little bit more enthusiasm especially for like Sundance where it's like some of these movies don't have distribution and like you want to actually champion these movies so that like they can have a future success um yeah so like some of it's true but not all of that is bad um right you know like I definitely feel that on the ground when we're at TIFF you know where it's like the enthusiasm in the room is not how something is going to actually be greeted but it still can be a good thing for a movie 
Right. And also, I feel like if the alternative to that is to approach something super cynically and with your arms crossed and sort of just like prove, your, prove yourself to me, that's not how I want to be experiencing movies anyway. So mm-hmm. the the issue with Sundance, though, is that it feels like over the years there has been more burnouts than successes sometimes or it's been like a very specific kind of success i also think sundance is doing perhaps a better job with their programming in that like you they can be a source to champion rather than these like eventual oscar players or like a movie like the way way back doesn't need to go to sundance anymore probably right and like you can champion things from this year like uh I mean, First Cow had gone to other places, but they have the movie that Netflix picked up, the 40-year-old version that I'm really excited for, that it won something. Yeah. I mean, a part of this is that the economics of Hollywood are still fairly opaque to somebody like me. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. I think I know certain things, but, like, I don't know. I'm not in these rooms. I'm not in these discussions, whatever. But you would think, you would imagine that the next film by a pair of Oscar-winning screenwriters isn't the kind of thing that, like, needs a film festival to get any attention. Like, I get that, like, it's not... It's still, like, a small, low-budget indie movie, right? But it's not like Computer Chess, which was also another movie that was at um, Sundance that same year, which does feel like a festival movie in that nobody really knew who Andrew Bujalski was at this point, it's a very incredibly low budget, kind of experimental, like odd movie that does need to be championed. And I think that's where I think you get a lot of this sort of bristle at Sundance, which is the fact that both of those things are existing within the same space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, and like maybe we've also gotten smarter of when you have a movie like the way way back or a similar scenario like you saw this year with palm springs which has the new record for the biggest buy ever at sundance right like nobody immediately is like oh it's an oscar movie you know it's just right which i think is probably paid what they paid for it you know i think that's probably better i think the fact Mm -hmm. that we had gotten to this point we were expecting every sundance hit to be an oscar contender was misjudging a the like the Hollywood economy, but B it was sort of taking out any kind of middle area for where movies can exist, and part of that mm-hmm. is the marketplace. Whereas like you either have blockbuster movies or Oscar movies or nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because that middle ground has sort of like dried up, that maybe is why you look at something like Sundance and just like, well, are you an are you, if, if you're a hit, are you an Oscar movie? Because that's the only mm-hmm. way that anybody's going to see you. Yeah. And, and maybe the fact that there is a Hulu now for a movie like Palm Springs to go to, then there maybe now is a middle ground. I don't ever want to talk about like streaming platforms as a savior because like, I think that's such a weird narrative to get into. And, it's like, a real double-edged sword too. It you is. See it it all sure the time, is. But people treat it still like, treat Netflix still like a sale savior we'll get into it um i want to sort of go through the 2013 sundance movies though sort of briefly um just just give you a sense of like what that ecosystem was so like the big winner at sundance that year was fruitvale station where um 
and which was called Just Fruitvale, I believe, at that Sundance Film Festival, which was a Weinstein Company acquisition and definitely was at that moment being lined up for Oscar. And it still puzzles me that the Weinstein Company couldn't pull that through. They didn't and campaign like push it, it that across. well. I know. No, they didn't. And, they, and it was a real failure because, like... Octavia Spencer started that award season getting like critical prizes and just mm-hmm. like, and it's Octavia Spencer who we have now learned is an awards like magnet. Like she just like, she does not get nominations. Like that's just not in mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer's uh, life plan at this point. But like it, the fact that they couldn't get her a nomination for that is wild. The fact that they still, that nobody has still figured out how to get Michael B. Jordan an Oscar nomination by this point is insane. Like, it's, it's truly, truly one of the wild things. So, like, that was the big, um, that won the Audience Award and the Jury Prize, I think, right? Wasn't that mm-hmm. the thing? It was one of the, that hasn't happened that many times. That or was at least the it hadn't at this time. So, like, yeah. that was a big deal. That that was the year that both the narrative and or both both the dramatic and documentary winners won both the jury prize and mm-hmm. the audience award because Blood Brother was that uh, documentary that won both of those awards on that side of things. But the other big acquisitions at Sundance that year, the Spectacular Now, which went to A twenty four, which was the um, James Ponsolt movie with Shailene Woodley and Miles Teller, that actually like became. A decent bit of a thing a lot you know people liked it people saw it um blackfish the documentary about the orcas and uh sea world and whatnot which genuinely i do feel like played a role in the downfall of uh whatever marine parks in the united states uh-huh to the degree that we've got to that point. Anyway, um, what else? Is that Mother of George, the Denai Guerrera uh, performance? In Great movie. That really, really, really fantastic Shot movie. by Bradford Young. Yes. Back one of the, to us, Bradford Young. 2013 was like the big Bradford Young year, right? Like that was, I feel like, the year where everybody started talking about him as like this emerging talent, for sure. Uh, Before Midnight was that year. The, the third in the Before trilogy, Kill Your Darlings, was that year. I feel like you and I have talked about that movie recently for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> our favorite, Concussion. Tell the truth. Oh, no, wait. This um, is the other Concussion. concussion. This different Concussion. Is, You're right. Yes. Robin this Weigert. is Robin Weigert. Uh, That's one. a double feature that should be programmed. Concussion at, and Concussion? At, yes, at repertory theaters across the country is the Robin Weigert Concussion followed by the Will Smith Concussion. Loveless, the um, the biopic of Linda Loveless, starring our friend Cassette Amanda Seyfried. Twenty Feet from Stardom, my beloved documentary. Twenty Feet from Stardom. Oh, Kings of Summer was that year, which I loved. I never saw and that movie. Nobody talks about it anymore. That was the first thing I ever saw Nick Robinson. I think it was in. expected to be a hit, and it just wasn't. It wasn't. It's true. Yeah. It was an interesting Sundance. Stoker was there at that Sundance that mm-hmm. uh, became a thing. Prince Avalanche, the David Gordon Green movie that nobody saw that I actually think is really kind of good and cute with uh, um, Paul Rudd and Emile Hirsch and some really good uh, uh, music. That was an ex- Explosions in the Sky movie. Anyway, interesting, interesting Sundance. The thing about, like, to... Uh, this is the only thing that Fox Searchlight got 
from this sun it's the only thing they picked up from this sundance but like there's a certain level of it too like from you mentioning a lot of these movies it also kind of depends whatever distributor picks it up kind of says what the Oscar intentions are for a movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And like Fox Searchlight picking this movie up certainly spelled that out. And I guess it's interesting for them as a studio in that like this feels like such a cynical um, attempt to replicate the success of Little Miss Sunshine all the way to Oscar. And it was a lesson they didn't actually learn from Sundance to the point that this year that we're talking about in 2013 is the year they have 12 Years a Slave, and they yes. eventually try to replicate that with Birth of a Nation. Yes. And that yeah. goes so horribly. Um, yeah, I think yeah, that's... They have a history of trying to replicate their own success cynically um, yeah. and not going well. Um, just to, just also, I wanted to, I'm looking now, I was only looking at the acquisitions for that Sundance, but looking at the award winners, there's also stuff like Afternoon Delight, which was the Catherine Hahn movie that got, uh, really good reviews in a world, the Lake Bell movie that I really enjoyed Cutie and the Boxer, which was an Oscar nominee for foreign language film. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. And Crystal Fairy, which is sort of a, you know, not for everybody kind of movie. It's the Sebastian Silva movie with Michael Sarah and Gabby Hoffman. But that was like very much definitely part of that Gabby Hoffman renaissance that happened yeah. in the mid uh, 2010s, where all of a sudden it was just like, remember Gabby Hoffman? Because she's back and she's in everything. <laughs> just like literally everything. <laughs> that would have been a cool Sundance to go to, though, I feel like. I feel like, oh, Ain't Them Body Saints, which I don't love, but like is worth seeing started um david lowry's career yeah upstream color which now is a weird one to think about because like shane carruth has lost his mind or whatever and that whole him and amy Simons had that ugly fallout and whatever bad guy bad man yeah but upstream color is an interesting movie still anywho anywho's it um, oh, you know what we should talk about? I mean, all right, I want to talk. All right, let's talk about the performances in this movie before we get too far away from everything. We got options to talk about. Alice we got and options Jenny to talk is Allison Janney is probably my favorite. Yeah, playing a character who is incredibly similar to the character she plays in Away We Go, a movie that I love, but I don't love that segment of the movie. That is a mm-hmm. movie that exists in segments, and you, you can like that is a movie that is built to rank the segments of those movies and. Hers is always near the bottom. The movie gets better as it goes along. And she just plays a similar character to this. And she's sort of like, you know, boozy, blousy, whatever. Overly mm-hmm. familiar with people she's never met before. And mean to a her kids. A walking Long Island iced tea. Right. Right. Exactly. A walking Long Island iced tea and mean to her kids. And it's just like, wow, they've really like copied that template exactly. And it but really... she's Alice and Channy. So she like walks the line where it's like she is mean and very gruff to her kids. But you can tell that she absolutely loves her kids. The thing about her character in this movie, or at least the way that she plays her, that I wish the movie had more of elsewhere is that she does actually kind of surprise you and make you rethink who she is as yes. the movie goes along. Yes. Because you're introduced to her and you're like, this woman is a nightmare. I'm going to hate her. She's going to be an asshole too. But it, 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 like the more you see of her and like, she's just like on the fringes of the whole thing anyway. But like with her relationship with Tony Collette's character, you see that she's actually a good person who's yep. just like going yep. through a hard time. And, this is why I really wanted them to get one more scene together in that movie. 
because maybe we could have gotten it from Tony Collette's character too. Yeah. Right. Like. Yep. Yeah, I think Tony Collette's character. You've mentioned this early in the podcast, but like, it's hers is definitely the least served by the script, at least from what we see on the screen. I don't know mm-hmm. what might have been cut or whatever, but. What did you think of Amanda Peet in this movie? Amanda Peet is an actress who I'm pretty sure we both really like a lot. I know I do. I do too. And she shows up in the first scene and you're like, hell yeah, Amanda Peet is going to be weird in this movie. That's great. And she shows up for maybe another minute and a half of screen time. The promise of her showing up and getting the lyrics to Kyrie Eliezer wrong is yeah. really good. Again, so 80s. Again, everybody's listening to exclusively 80s music, which exclusively I norm- 80s music and like alt rock sad boy songs from the mid aughts that you've never heard of (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's an odd mix normally i am the one to stick up for people listening to older music than is the setting of the movie because that's how people listen to music like not everybody is listening to the ultra current hit of the day i forget what was the movie that everybody got on its case for um Oh, like, the, you know, people like that music is from like X number of years ago. And I'm like, yeah, people listen to music from X number of years ago. Like it's that music doesn't just go away. But in this, it felt so it just like there was something anachronistic of having this like kid singing Ario Speedwagon to his headphones. I was like, if this is a contemporary movie, just like got to bump that up a little bit or something yeah. or else make him like a weird kid who's into 80s music, like one or the other. Or just, like, exclusively into Ario Speedwagon, and he talks right. about it later. Right, like, um, that's his little, like, Sundancey quirk or whatever. Fine. I love Sundance quirks. I'm fine with it. But Amanda Pete gets sort of, like, shunted into this, like, Jezebel character, kind of, where she's just, like... Yeah, whereas you think she's going to be, like, the weird, boozy person. She thinks that Kyrie Eleison is Carrie a laser, which Carrie absolutely... Nobody has made that mistake before. That that joke is stupid, but like Amanda <laughs> Peet is fun, fun, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's like that's it. Then she like makes out with Steve Carell behind a house, and that's it. There is once again. I feel like that the movie does certain good vibey things, which is I think it sells the idea of how unsettling it is for a young person to observe the behavior of adults, especially when they think you're not looking where they're sort of like their complicated, messy adult lives seem repulsive to you. Right. Where it's like your parents were drunk around you when you were eight years old, but you didn't know what drunk was. So it's like when you are old enough to realize what drunk is, it's like, wait, what, what, what are you doing? This is horrifying. I hate this so much. Get me. Though I do really hate the scene where Duncan is pissed at his mom for smoking pot. She can absolutely smoke pot if she wants to get over yourself you sad virgin. At, at that point, I was just like, I get it because like he's mad about everything. So this is like one sure. more thing. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Let them smoke pot. Let Tony Collette smoke pot. For God's sake, she's earned Let it. Let Tony Collette smoke pot in every movie. In every movie. In absolutely every movie. She needs some pot. And um, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of editing things. I enjoyed the little moment where uh, Alice and Janney and Tony Collette have this sort of like conspiratorial a uh, mean little joke at Amanda Pete's expense where they make fun of her uh, ordering takeout for the backyard barbecue or whatever. And I was like, oh, 
that is how people bond. Like that is how strangers bond, which is they find a third person who they don't like as much and they like <laughs> bitch about them and are catty about them in a corner. I'm like, yes, that's very well observed and good. Yes. I wonder how, uh, how we became friends that way. I know. I know. We're angels. We who hate. Only love each we other. We like everyone. Yes. Um, this movie was an AARP Movies for Grown Ups Award winner. Which not is just how nominee. I feel like we constantly have brought this movie up in the past. Maybe. So now I want to, as I always do with uh, AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards uh, winners that we talk about, I don't click onto this tab in their IMDb until we are recording because I like having the freshness of discovering <laughs> the fellow nominees along with you. So this won the best comedy award at the 2013 AARP movies for grownups awards. Have you looked and seen what the other movies were that it beat? I'm looking at them now. We've definitely talked about this lineup because the secret life of Walter Mitty is there. And we did that previous episode on that very, very funny movie. Um, definitely <laughs> deserves to be nominated. Laugh in a minute. Best comedy. Um, Tony Collette's up against herself in this category, by the way. She is for the a PJ movie. Hogan movie Mental that I've never seen is one of the nominees for best comedy. I would absolutely watch what is definitely a complete um, uh, whiff of a movie. She's with Anthony LaPaglia and Leah Schreiber. It the the poster looks like the pacifier with tony collette as vin diesel and it's like a fuchsia background the poster is um don't tell mom the babysitter's dead but the babysitter survives and so (laughs) maybe she is reanimated (laughs) she just she you can't keep a good girl down and she is a bad girl in this movie she is wearing yeah it's like bad babysitter is what i'm guessing this movie is it's leopard tights leopard leggings uh cowboy boots a kind of baby doll tool kind of like mini dress thing with a fur coat with um leather spiked wrist bracelets with headphones is she tilting her headphones down or headphones, uh sunglasses, sunglasses not headphones yeah. is she tilting her sunglasses down to look over the top of them in the poster yes absolutely she is um and the like telltale no fewer than like nine children surround her the telltale sort of messy top ponytail that always indicates that somebody has their life absolutely together she is the lost banger sister on this poster she is giving you everything and these children all look awful that she is apparently in charge of it's probably a horror movie and she kills those children mental pj hogan's mental i like you pj hogan but what in the world we're gonna watch the world this movie gonna uh, make us watch this movie the other two nominees besides mental and the secret life of walter mitty are the incredibly successful and worth everyone's time Las Vegas or Last Vegas, the John Last John Vegas Turtle Tubs Last Vegas. Okay, but Last Vegas being nominated for Best Comedy at the AARP MPGs yeah. is if that if it couldn't get AARP, cool. it wasn't gonna get anything. So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that fits. Um, and then the opposite of that is I don't understand why retirees would be into Don John, but apparently they were. <laughs> the porn addiction movie. Like, maybe they were really into Tony Danza or something, but okay. I feel like if I watched Don John now, I would hate every minute of it, but 
all of the women in that movie are great. Scarlett Johansson is great. Julianne Moore is great. Brie Larson is even great. Anne Hathaway is fantastic. As herself, yeah. I kind of want to watch Don John again. Like, we've talked about it a few times in the last, say, four or five episodes, and now I Maybe I we'll do Don John it. before the end of the year. Maybe. Just to see. Uh, it was some... also nominated, our friend The Way Way Back, in... Sorry. Best Supporting Actor, Steve Carell, was nominated and did not win. He lost to... Are you looking at this now, or can I quiz you? Yes, I am. Okay. Um... Lost to Chris Cooper in August, Osage County. A good performance in that movie, I thought. And a very AARP choice. Mm-hmm. Right? They He's... did love Don John for Tony Danza because they nominated Tony Danza. So I was right about that. Oh, my God. They also They're... nominated Julianne Moore for Don John, though. Yeah. that's The more I look at those nominations, I'm like, okay, I get why you liked Don John now. Uh, other supporting actor nominees were John Goodman for his absolutely unrestrained inside Lewin Davis performance, which is just like, (laughs) he just like John Goodman, just like sit in the back of a car and be awful. Just be absolutely like, we got to get John Goodman an Oscar nomination, man. We do. We really do. It's long past time. And of course my beloved Bill Nye for about time, a performance that continues to make me cry every time I see it. He's so wonderful. And that, and then Allison Janney gets a Supporting Actress nomination, which I think is very well-deserved. And she doesn't win. She gets beat by our old friend Oprah in Lee Daniels' The Butler. We definitely... Everything the AARP movies for grown-ups have in their life, they owe to that butler. That's <laughs> true! Nominated alongside very, very, very AARP selections, uh, June Squibb in Nebraska, who was an Oscar nominee that year, Margot Martindale in August Osage County, who was very much early buzz candidate for August Osage County because the woman who played that role on Broadway won the Tony? Rondi Reed, yes. Yes. And then, as you mentioned, Julianne Moore and Don John. Three-time nominee, AARP Movies for Grown-Ups Awards. Good for the way, way back. Fantastic. Also three-time nominee at Critics' Choice, including, as we mentioned, Liam James for the Young Performer category. They got a Best Comedy nomination. And Sam Rockwell got a Best Actor in a Comedy nomination. Here's the thing. If they had tried to replicate the Little Miss Sunshine success, by the time Oscar came around, like, the movie didn't make enough money for them to justify it. Plus, like, they were putting everything they had in 12 Years a Slave, um, and that paid off. They got Best Picture. But Sam Rockwell, it's so easy to forget that because of the lack of goodwill towards Sam Rockwell at this point, uh, after playing... At this point, you mean in 2020 as we speak. Uh, Yes. Um, By the way, he's playing Merle Haggard next, apparently. He signed on to play Merle Haggard, so he's not done playing racists. Um, But this was still the time when The Way Way Back came out that it was like Sam Rockwell was always one of those actors you would see critics talk about, like, he's actually really great and should be somebody who should get an Oscar nomination. And, like, if they were trying to replicate the acting nominations at least that they were able to get for little miss sunshine it's the sentimental people right they got abigail breslin and they got the win for ellen arkin well like yeah you mentioned the fact that like sam rockwell was very much in this 
he's overdue, the Oscars should pay attention kind of thing. Too cool to be nominated for Oscar. Way, way back is kind of packed with Oscars, with actors like this, because like Steve Carell was at that point at, at with this, where he had been in enough movies by this point, and he had been good in enough movies by this point, that people were like, oh, he's a serious actor, he deserves real recognition. Allison Janney is, of course, a huge like Emmy favorite, like incredible television work. And this was a movie where people were like, oh, she's really good in movies too. And all of these performers, two of them, Allison Janney and Sam Rockwell, have already now by this point won Oscars and Steve Carell got nominated for Foxcatcher and something else or just Foxcatcher? Does he just have the one nomination? Did he get also nominated for The Big Short? Or... No, he did not. Um, I think it's just Foxcatcher. Yeah, it's just Foxcatcher. He got nominated for SAG for um, Battle of the Sexes, and he got nominated mm-hmm. for something for The Big Short, whether it was a Golden Globe or SAG. I can't remember, but yeah. So yeah, they definitely had actors who, like, at some point soon, Oscar was going to smile upon. It just wasn't mm-hmm. there at this point. And yet, they have yet to smile upon Tony Collette again, and they need to. Oh, absolutely. But she needs to get, you know, offered more and better movie roles. Things that Oscar will go for. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry to break it to gay Twitter. (laughs) They are not going to go for her this year. Wait, what is this year? Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. At this point, the embargo is lifted. I think she's incredible in the movie. It's absolutely not happening yeah i mean the fact she was absolutely 100 million percent worthy of a nomination for hereditary it was just such uh that's a tough sell for oscar voters like who are so resistant to horror anyway especially horror that doesn't have a very obvious social component to it or isn't um I guess cozy in a mainstream way because she is an actor who has an Oscar nomination for a horror movie. Um, but like, I don't want to say that the sixth sense is sentimental, but like it is palatable because of a cer- certain emotionality. Right. And like, yeah, there is definitely the things about the twist in the with sixth that movie, but like, yes, there are things in the sixth sense that remind you of things like family dramas, like, um, I, I'm, I'm with you sort of trying to avoid saying the word sentimental, but like, f- like, cause hereditary is a family drama too, but like a real mean one, <laughs> just like <Yeah>. a really <laughs> nasty family drama. So yeah. I thought about, I actually did think about hereditary a lot. Um, when Tony Collette was on screen in this movie, because I remember when she was doing interviews for hereditary, she talked a lot and it's like the way, way back is certainly not the only example of this with her career, but she talked a lot about, she took on the challenge of that movie because like she is used to just like these doing a lot of work where she is just part of the background and she doesn't get a chance to stand out. And I remember when she was saying that I was like, Oh, you mean like roles in the way, way back. Yeah. And like Tony Collette has done a lot of movies where she's played characters that like don't earn someone like Tony Collette playing them. Yeah. Um, that like, I, don't allow her to do anything. I always love that she got the Golden Globe nomination for Little Miss Sunshine because it was really, I know mostly it's the fact that like it's the Golden Globes and they will recognize stars and she was enough of a star. But mm-hmm. 
it's a really well done easily overshadowed performance in that movie and yeah she's the thing that makes me want to rewatch the movie to try to see how i feel about it now there's such a small moment in that movie where she's very stressed early on in the movie about whether they can go to the pageant and whatnot and if she can get everybody in the family to agree to go on this road trip and she starts eating a popsicle and she starts like just like just chomping down on this thing out of stress she's like stress eating this popsicle which you wouldn't think would be a thing but it's so funny to watch and it's just such a small little moment of like physical comedy but it's so good i think she has so many little like tiny moments in that there's that moment when they're in the restaurant and greg kinnear tries to shame abigail breslin out of ordering um uh the scoop of ice cream with her waffle or whatever and the way that tony collette like bristles at that silently and then like like takes this like verbal tack to like take an end run around Kinnear's character to like get Abigail Breslin to like feel good about herself is so incredibly well done and it's the kind of thing that's missing from a movie like The Way Way Back Mm -hmm. and I think that's your difference those little things are your difference between why Little Miss Sunshine was a success and The Way Way Back wasn't I really hated what they did with her character in the final scene where like they go to the water park and she sees oh my son has had a summer job this whole time whatever indeterminate time that he's you know been there and like she doesn't really even speak but she's asked to like convey this sense of oh I know who my son is now and he's a good kid and I need to devote attention to him and it's like I don't know like she's I finally see my son yes she has to silently convey all of this because the script hasn't given her a person who can express herself like But I love that the moment is, I finally see my son for who he is, a good water slide slider. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? People like like him. Uh, I don't know. I hated that water park. I really did. It it does suck that Tony Collette has had such, like, crap roles like this so much. Um, I know. I know. It's true. More more and better for Tony Collette is maybe our, our wrap up. <laughs> more and better for Tony Collette, less racist for Sam Rockwell. Yeah, um, we want good things for everybody. That's what we want. Listen. All right, do you want to play the IMDb game? Heck yeah, why not? All right, every week we end our episodes with the IMDb game, where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try and guess the top four titles that IMDb says they're most known for. If any of those titles are television or voiceover work, we mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles release years as a clue, and if that's not enough, it just becomes a free-for-all of hints. Chris, how are we doing you this? stole do go... my responsibility, sir. Oh, is that? That's right. You're, it's your week to do that. I'm sorry. Would you like to do it instead? Do you want to double it's back? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I you are the Allison Channing I was to just my cross-eyed son. I bound it in. Man, I was very Allison Janney at that point. Would you like a cocktail? Uh, Yeah, I'm sure. All right. Why not? Um, More about Allison Janney's gay husband in that movie, by the way. I wanted a little, I wanted some deets. Anyway. I kind of like that. Yeah. I All right. To it. It, it was believable. I've picked out someone for you. Have you picked out someone for me? Indeed, I have. All right. Would you like to go first? Sure. I can give to you first. Okay. Uh, I went the Little Miss Sunshine route. Um, One of their other co-stars in that film, who I think could have maybe been 
as uh, I don't know, he would have made sense seeing him in this movie for also a Little Miss Sunshine reunion is uh, Mr. Greg Kinnear. Oh, have we never done Greg Kinnear before? That's interesting. I don't think we have. Okay. All right. All right. As good as it gets. As good as it gets, his Oscar nomination is there. All right. All right. I hope it's not the windshield wiper movie because I forgot what that's called. Windshield. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Windshield wiper the movie. Yeah. Um, and none of this is television. So, uh, steak face, whatever that movie, that TV show was where he had the shiner and the steak on his shiner. Um, <laughs> By the way, windshield wiper movie is Flash of Genius. Flash of, of course, genius. it's not on there. Flash of Genius, which would be a movie that we would talk about and people would be like, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yes, it absolutely had Oscar buzz. It sure did. All right, is Little Miss Sunshine uh, one of them? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Gregory Kinnear. All right, so he's been like the passed over guy in a lot of movies. Sabrina and... um, other things but i don't think it's sabrina and i don't think it's something like baby mama where he is the guy that she chooses but i don't think he's prominent enough in that role and i don't think baby mom is a big enough movie i'm gonna guess <sighs> crap we've also done several greg kinnear movies yeah gregory kinnear is autofocus one of them? No. Okay. All right. We could do an autofocus episode. We definitely could. It might definitely be interesting to buzz. talk about Paul Schrader and his uh, sometimes problematic Facebook posts. <laughs> Just sometimes problematic in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I feel like there's like a big like blockbustery thing that he was maybe in that. He's in a lot of movies. He's in a lot of movies that make money. Yeah, he is. I feel like I'm like missing a big old blind spot. He's done a couple Jesus movies. Wait, really? Yeah. I can't I tell you what they are because what if they're on here? Oh God. Well, this is just crazy. Um, a couple I'm of Jesus with you. None movies. Of the, none of those movies are on here. Like in the times of Jesus, like literal, like biblical epics. Oh, but like uh, uh, like faith dramas like oh, one of them is uh, same yeah. kind oh, of different yes, as of me which all stars oh. Renee Zellweger right he was yes, in those Heaven ones is for Real the kid who right. dies and comes back from Heaven movie right right you threw me and made me think like he was in like um, Jesus of Nazareth or something like that oh he was Methuselah <laughs> he was oh he was oh good yeah. um We've done Nurse Betty. Oh, is you've got mail? One of them? Yes, you have got some uh, some mail. Email, you, you sir, electronic. You sir have, have got electronic mail. <laughs> the uh, European title of that film. Yes. Can okay. I talk about one of the things that makes me miss my sister the most, who I haven't seen during all of this? Yes. My please. sister does about the funniest impersonation of Meg Ryan's coffee walk. In that movie, <laughs> watch You've Got Mail and watch how Megan Ri- Meg Ryan <laughs> Megan, Megan Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> watch how Megan Ryan walks while getting her while getting and after getting her coffee. Oh, I love it's it. It's a little deranged. 
I'm gonna have she, like, that's an I'm now her shoulders. I'm going back. right from this because I think it's still on HBO Max for like a few more weeks. I definitely want to watch it. Okay, all right, back to the task at hand. You have one title left to guess, and you have only one wrong answer. I have only one wrong answer. I'm gonna want the year, so I'm gonna just throw it away and say Nurse Betty. It is not Nurse Betty. Your year is 1995. Sabrina. <laughs> it is Sabrina. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I threw it away so early. God. That's so silly. I can't talk this episode. Megan Ryan. Megan Ryan. No, <laughs> I love that. That's her rebrand. She's going to be very Megan. serious. Megan Ryan love is Megan. here. Megan Ryan is here, and she is uh, the president of the PTA, and she is ready to uh, get some stuff done. No, she's on the school board. Megan Ryan's on the school board. She's not even PTA. She is, That's what uh, uh, John Cougar calls her. Now I'm looking Megan. at Greg Kinnear's um, IMDb list. There are some things I would put on there instead. Obviously, you know I love Little Men. He's so good in that movie that's another that's, oh, a, that's a great movie he also is in iris Sachs's frankie which like i fully was the only person laughing at this moment he like again he plays another cuck in that movie um <laughs> but he's like talking to isabelle Huppert about like star wars he's like a an art director for a star wars movie or something and she uh-huh. just is like Mm. <laughs> it was so funny. It's like, like it's Isabel Huppert no gif like uh in real time. No, it's not even like that. It's like she can't even muster that much to say about Star Wars. It's uh, people more people should have seen that movie. I liked it. Ghost that. Town is the one I was thinking of where I like Ghost Town. Hate Ricky Gervais. I like Ghost Town. Is he the ghost or is Ricky Gervais the ghost? Uh no, uh Greg Kinnear is the ghost. Kinnear's the ghost. Right. Um, oh God, he was also in that uh, Miley Cyrus movie, The Last Song. Do you remember anything sure. about that? Where sure. I think he dies. He's like her dad, and I think he dies. I don't know. I haven't seen. It. <laughs> it's also like Ghost Town. Miley Cyrus plays a yeah, dentist it's who's the in love with Taya Leone. The late, the last song die, uh, and he dies, and then the sequel to that is Ghost Town, where he is a ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, remember the Matador that uh, Pierce Brosnan got a Golden Globe nomination for? I both do and do not remember the Matador. That's correct. That's the right reaction to that. All right. I have have chosen for for you, sir. So I plumbed through the Sundance 2013 list because I wanted to find something related to that that I could quiz you with. I saw the most unlikely thing that I could see there, which was one of the acquisitions at Sundance that year was Jobs, the Steve Jobs biopic (laughs) that is not my beloved Steve Jobs, but actually the other one starring none other than Mr. Ashton Kutcher. I would like you to give me the known for for Ashton Kutcher, one of which is television. Right. It's not the jobs we want it to be, which is Steve Jobs. So you're asking me to fix it, Steve, or you quit. <laughs> That's right. I am. Fix it, Steve. Fix it, Chris. Um, uh, okay. So Ashton Kutcher played Steve Jobs in this terrible uh, Steve Jobs movie. Is there any television? Yes. As I said, one television. Oh, okay. I didn't hear you say that. So it's gotta be that 70s show and not one of the other terrible shows it is in fact that 70s show and not punked or uh or the ranch for shit's sake uh, right or two and a half men but oh right um dude where's my car yes sir 
Okay. The seminal 2000 comedy, Dude, Where's My Car? The Jennifer Garner vehicle, Dude, Where's My Car? The butterfly effect. No, and you're, it should be. Mm. You are right. IMDb is wrong. He doesn't... I mean, maybe unless I'm forgetting a lot of them, but things that I would know that he's in, there's not a ton of movies. Yeah, you've definitely um, reached the weeds of this of this known for now. You are in okay. for something. Do no you remember? Attached. No, not no strings attached. Do you remember Damn when it. Jennifer Garner won her Golden Globe for Alias that first year and her acceptance speech? She just said, "I don't know what it was that you saw in me and dude, where's my car? But thank you for casting me in this role." <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. All right. Anyway, no, not no strings attached. Is that your second strike already? Yeah. 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 Okay. So your missing years are 2005 and 2010. I know I'm going to be giving Mm -hmm. you some hints on these, but I'm going to give you a second to try and take some stab. Is one of them the movie with Bernie Mac? Guess who? No. Again, probably should be. Definitely more known than at least one of these two movies. What's the movie he did with Cameron Diaz? That was no, no, that was not No Strings That's Attached. A, Who's in No? I thought No Strings Attached was the Cameron Diaz. Who's the woman? No in Strings no Attached St- is the oh, uh, Natalie Portman one. The Natalie Portman, which I actually really do like. Okay, yeah. yes, you're thinking of what happens in Vegas with Cameron Diaz, and that is not one of them. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, you are definitely like removing the like you're you're knocking off options, so you're narrowing it down. I mean, he's in Bobby, which we've done, but, like, he's one of a million people in Bobby. I don't think Bobby's going to show up on anyone's. Um, what the hell else was he in? Um, I mean, he was in a movie with Amanda Pete. I forget what it's called. Is that one of, is that one of them? Maybe. Is that the what are my years again? Two thousand five and twenty ten. Is it the two thousand five one? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know the name of the movie. I've I've seen this movie and I don't know the name of this movie because I like Amanda. Peter. Wait, have you really seen it? Is it good? He, I mean, it's probably exactly what you think it is. The tagline but... to this movie is: "There's nothing better than a great romance to ruin a perfectly good friendship." And the oh, poster. Great. So he's done that movie several times. The then. poster is a four four quad uh, series of photo. Yeah, booth. like a photo booth because yes. like this is when photo booths still exist. I've seen this movie. It is truly the most generically titled film. I will say he does look cute on the poster. I'm sorry, Ashton Kutcher is one of those people who I know. He's a bastard. I should be repulsed by, but he is. He did not uh, take good care of uh, Demi Moore. Listen, a lot of people haven't taken good care of Demi Moore. He can get Including us as the general population more for Demi Moore. <laughs> uh, all right. That movie is called A Lot Like Love. So how dare you is. for sure. not remembering sure. Sure. that incredibly specific and sticky title. All right. One more. One more with a more evocative title. I'm going to need some hints at this point. Um, the poster for this movie is him... And a uh, a lady, a blonde lady, and uh, it's one of those okay. things where, so they're like very kind of like plausibly 
she's very carefree on the poster, right? She's like kicking up a heel, and she's got her hand Sounds on like any Ashton Kutcher his movie. chest, but he's in like a suit, and he's looking over his shoulder because like he's not, you know, he's got to look over his shoulder. And um, <laughs> I won't. He has a prop. It's a that will lady. give it away. It's definitely a blonde lady, a fairly notorious blonde lady. You and said it's, it's a blonde lady. Notorious blonde lady, as in famous, or as in, like, has a bad reputation, or has, like, I don't know. Did he make a movie with a porn star or something? No, but I'm going to say you were right about both of those other things that you said. Oh, she's famous and has a bad reputation. Um, yes. Blonde lady that Ashton Kutcher has made a movie with. Um, Not necessarily a fully deserved bad reputation, but definitely a bad reputation. It's, oh my God, it's Katherine Heigl. It's it's a one-word title. It's like Spies or something. or um, It's definitely killers. a one-word title. It's Killers. It's Killers. 2010's Stupid. Killers. God, who even directed Killers? Robert Luketic, of course. Of course. Sure. Robert Luketic's Killers. Yeah, I was about to describe the thing on the poster, which is it's one of those posters where at the bottom it looks like somebody is lifting up the poster. Do you know what I mean? Where, like, all of a sudden the poster has, like, layers and it's a guy. It's just, like, an unseen person holding a gun. So it's, like, this guy. And that's why Ashton Kutcher's looking over his shoulder because Ashton Kutcher's also holding a gun in the poster for Killers. Definitely one of the four best-known Ashton Kutcher properties, according to the Internet Movie Database. I'm genuinely surprised that No Strings Attached isn't on there. No Strings Attached should be on there. that movie. And The Butterfly Effect should both be on there. Come on. Interesting. Yes, indeed. Ashton Kutcher. (laughs) All right. That's it? That's everything? Have we, uh, have we, uh, We got it all out of our system? All right. I think we did. Well done, Chris. That is our episode. If you want more This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Chris, where can the listeners find you and your stuff? On Twitter and Letterboxd at Chris v. File. That's F-E-I-L. I am on Twitter and Letterboxd as Joe Reed, Reed spelled R-E-I-D. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get podcasts. A five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcast visibility. So please, oh, and here is where I reference a thing that we never talked about in our discussion. I brought it up, I brought it up. Of the way, way back. Oh, you did, okay. Please get that lazy eye under control and type up something nice for us, won't you? Yeah, because Allison Janney makes fun of her, meanly makes fun of her son it's not cool it's not cool as i and probably then i just made fun of it what too. would be so cool is a five-star review for us on apple Podcasts. yes yes thank you thank you for chris we love you guys. bringing it back around to business that is we all. love you guys thank you for picking this episode for us for those of us who love this movie and joe and i do not we apologize but uh thanks for uh, listening and following I'm, and picking this episode for we us. had a very worthwhile discussion and truly that is the greatest thing of all all right that's all for this week. We hope you'll be back next week for more bugs. Everyone's a winner, baby. That's no lie. That's no lie. You never fail to satisfy.